Thank you very much for listening. Whether you're on a leisurely stroll with your dog, headed to work, which you shouldn't be because there's a coronavirus out there and you should be hunkered down in your home, or if you're hunkered down in your home because of the coronavirus and you're doing your dishes and arm wrestling your kids because you want to prove you're tough to them, thank you for listening. Thank you very much. If you like my theme music there, that is a song called Turn Your Head by Ken Vandermark from his album Utility Hitter, and that is copywritten. 21st Mobile, ASCAP. Today is a very special episode. It is with Drew Ackerman, a.k.a. Dearest Scooter, who hosts and created the Sleep With Me podcast, which is a podcast solely created to help people who have trouble sleeping. You listen to it uh, if you're stressed out or have insomnia or fear, and Mr. Ackerman, a.k.a. Dearest Scooter, lulls you to sleep with his wonderful voice and... It is a brilliant podcast. He's a very funny man. I'm very excited to have him on the show. Um, and personally, the podcast has saved my life. I had some tough times once upon a time, and I, my wife said, hey, listen to Sleep With Me podcast. It'll help you fall asleep. And man, if it's not a time we need a podcast to help us sleep with a pandemic going on and some of us uh, in fear of how we're going to make it month to month, I am one of them. <laughs> uh, he his podcast will help you. And uh, speaking of the, the 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 pandemic that's going on, just please take care of one another. Stay home. Try to do as much as you can to not be out in public. I have spent most of my life working in the service industry, so uh, on and off. Uh, I know it's fear scary. You could lose your job and things, but you could also lose your life and get a lot of people sick, so please stay home. I see v- pictures of people in Los Angeles and Chicago and Austin and the bars, and I know some of you people in your 20s, you just want to get some action. You know what I mean? You want to go have fun and get screw around with people of the same sex or opposite sex. Or, But uh, I, why, why did I turn into a vaudeville comedian? But uh, just let's stay home, man. It's scary. I'm scared. My daughter had the flu. And we thought it was the virus, and it was um, it was a scary couple days there. Um, I'm just going to do some house cleaning. I, oh, real quick before I forget, uh, Drew and I. There's a this you get the full interview that I did with Drew for this episode. But uh, before we started the official episode, we were recording, and uh, we were joking around, and he said some very funny things. So if that episode, the full unedited version of this episode, is on. Patreon. It's just a small chunk where we're joking around. But also on my Patreon, I do commentary of every episode. Drew and I have an interesting history of how we came to know each other. That's in That'll be in the uh, commentary. I call it commentary with Matt Dwyer instead of conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm clever. That's a clever thing. But there's also bonus episodes on my for Patreon supporters. It help. There's an episode I did with Lorraine Newman of Saturday Night Live, George Went from Cheers, there's, I'm doing commentary for new and old episodes, and there's photos and videos if that is available of episodes. Really uh, enjoy doing the extra content for the commentary. And it, if you are a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Matt Dwyer, it is, uh, 
that helps support the show. It helps it keep it going. It helps keep me alive, pay for the storage of the episode. So I thank my Patreon supporters like William Ham. There's a Patreon supporter, uh, and I thank him for that. Uh, another great way to support the show is just tell your friends about it. If you like my show, tell your friends and share it on social media. I have a, almost 170 episodes. I've talked to some legendary figures in the past. Wayne Kramer of the MC5, Rodney Anonymous from the Dead Milkman, Pete O'Neill, who was a Black Panther who's living in exile in Africa. There's some really great, fascinating people that I've talked to, and I'm proud of my library. So peruse the old episodes and give them, give them a listen there. Why don't you? Why don't you, as, the, as like a Canadian would say. I have a Canadian in a couple weeks who's going to be a guest, uh, Adrian Burris from the Apollo Ghosts, one of my all-time favorite bands. If you like this podcast, listen to Hunk by Mike Breitenstein and Joe Kilgallen. Or uh, Joe Kilgallen has a podcast named uh, Kilgallen's Pub. But they're both friends of mine. Great podcasts. I forgot to mention, please go to, go to Apple iTunes. Rate and review the show. Can you do me that favor? Do me that favor. Because I'll tell you why I want you to do that. I'm a little... Uh, because I want you to. <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about real quickly, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't usually talk about my life uh, on the podcast. I'm debating if it's something I want to do. Like in the opening, just be like, hey, here's a thing in my life. But uh, I do, I have a troll, I think. I think I have a troll, not sweating it. But uh, they tried to get me fired from a job I had a couple weeks ago for a tweet I made about the Catholic Church. They said I was hate speech and a terrorist. Uh, me, I'm a terrorist, the guy who has activists and civil rights lawyers on a show. But I'm, I'm a hateful person. Uh, it, I made a joke. It might have not even have been a fun joke or a funny joke. But they took it personally, and they tried to get me fired. They sent a picture of the tweet to my job and said I was a terrorist. Also, and then they commented on something on my Facebook page, so they obviously they're monitoring me. Um, it's very weird. It's a weird time we live in. It's like we should be coming together and just being cool, but also I just want to say, like, okay, I made a dumb tweet about the Catholic Church, but, um, you know, the Catholic Church... Not the best history, and I'm the bad guy. They've killed thousands in the name of Jesus, but I'm the bad guy. Okay, I get it. It's a little problem they have with children, but yeah, I'm the I'm I'm the bad guy, not the Catholic Church. <laughs> I make a joke, but you know, I send my priests around who do naughty things to, and to different parishioners, or whatever they call it. I I grew up Catholic, obviously not a good Catholic because I don't know what they p- parish parish. They're different parishes. That's what they are. I know, it's just weird. It's an odd, weird thing to troll somebody because of one thing they said. Um, but whatever. If that if if trolling me gives some joy, then so be it. I can handle it. I'm a wordsmith. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Let's take care of each other in these weird times. Let's help one another. And speaking of help, here's my interview with a very funny I really love this interview and I really love Drew Ackerman he's a great guy and I'm glad he's my pal here's the conversation enjoy I wanted to make the joke but probably everybody does it's like oh as soon as I hear your voice I'm going to fall asleep yeah I think I like (laughs) am I normal but on the podcast I could go into the podcast voice whenever you want, but 
Uh, I wondered, because that's the only time I've heard you speak, and I, I did wonder, I was like, is that how he talks, or is he aff- affecting a, a voice to help us to go to Slumbertown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about that, but uh, I, I, unfortunately, it's just my personality shining through in a different voice than, than uh, <laughs> same same content, different voice. I I have to say, like, I am endless endlessly fascinated by your podcast on so many levels, and I've te- and I'm ashamed to say this, I've even thought about I would never do so, but I've thought about stealing the idea because I'm like. <laughs> It's it's such a a genius concept. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I stole it from Doctor Demento, who put me to sleep. So, <laughs> like, uh, is that really what Doctor Demento inspired it? Yeah, like, uh, um, well, I mean, kind of. Like when I was a kid and I couldn't sleep, I would listen to Doctor Demento. Uh, like when, I, like, so I was going through this period where I just couldn't sleep. It was like fifth grade. And I remember I was like, I'm screwed. Like, I'm never going to be able to sleep again. And this one kid in my class, he's like, hey, my brother listens to the show. It's on like Sunday nights. It starts at like nine o'clock, you know, after we're supposed to be asleep. But he goes, it's supposed to be really funny, like Weird Al's on there and stuff. And I started listening to it and it never put me to sleep, but it just made me feel like less alone. And it made me laugh. Uh, and like, feel like I was part of some like club or like illicit club. And, uh, especially for fifth grade, I was like, Holy cow. Like, and, uh, it, so I don't know the po- that inspired the podcast in that way that it's like, Oh, this has to be something for people that are out there feeling like that. Or, or that's what I always hope to capture. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think like you created a show solely so people could fall asleep to it, which is probably a first in the history of, <laughs> of any kind of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, even like, could like, will this work? Like, what what'll happen? What? Why weren't you getting sleeping in the fifth grade? Were you uh, having a stressful life? Yeah, like, so I had, um, I'd had like a lot of trouble at school, and then I met, had this. I went to Catholic school, and I had this one nun, and she just did not like me, and. uh and I didn't, and I didn't like her. So, uh, I, I would stay up like all night, like being like, what is sister going to do to me tomorrow? Like, am I going to be publicly humiliated? Is she just going to scream at me? Uh, is she going to tell like, like, uh, she turned my, like sh- she knew all my buttons. And so I would just like lay in bed all night worrying. And then I, w- then I would start thinking of like that existential stuff when you can't sleep. It's like, well, how, like, how do you go to sleep anyway? What, like, well, I got to force myself to sleep. And then, uh, yeah, it started this wonderful lifetime uh, habit of overthinking everything <laughs> and worrying about everything that's, that stayed with me, that I have to benefit now. Uh, thank thank goodness for that. Uh, but yeah, it, it just was like, I would just stay up all night worrying, like, it, it, like if something bad was going to happen at school or, you know, something, she'd do something and then I'd be in trouble. Uh, my, my dad would flip and, and, and then, yeah, it was like, oh, I don't even know how to sleep anymore. It was like, it just shut off. And I would tell, I, I, I'm the oldest of six kids. So there's a lot going on at my house. And, and like, uh, I remember being like, I can't sleep. And, and like, oh, well, you just, don't you think you just need some attention? Like, I'm like, no, 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 I really can't sleep. And it's like, oh, okay, well, try to think of something nice. Like, don't think about school. And I'm like, well, how, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> 
And then it was like, yeah, listen to classical music. And then I like listen to classical music and that would work for two nights. And then the third night it wouldn't work. The, the, the best advice I got one time, my dad was like, yeah, I was talking to this woman I work with and she can't sleep. And she says, whenever she can't sleep, she imagines herself in this flowing gown, walking down this grand spiral staircase that's endless. And she's just walking down in this flowing gown. And I was like, first of all, like, I, I'm like, okay, so I should picture myself doing that. Like, thanks. And, and then I did. I was like, okay, I'm in a flowing gown. I'm going down these stairs. And, and it actually worked for like two nights in a row. But I think that's like a lot of people that can't sleep. It's like you try something and it works, but it doesn't continually work. And uh, uh, so that's kind of other thing I'm always seeking with my podcast is like to keep it whatever part of our brain keeps adapting for a lot of people to be like, Oh no, 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 that's not putting us to sleep tonight anymore. We need something different. When is your family working class family or it just sounds very, cause it sounds very similar to exactly how I was around the same age. Well, my dad, he was from the Bronx. Uh, and so he came from like, uh, both his parents were orphans and, uh, he left home when he was 18 uh, and, and he was like, whatever I can do to get out of the Bronx and away from my parents, I will do. So he actually like went to school. He went to law school, like only in a quest to get away from his parents, which he like later in life, he's like, I, like once he realized what he did, he's like, Oh my gosh, like I got myself into this. He didn't necessarily like his job or his career, but he was just such in a hurry to escape, uh, like his own toxic environment or his own, uh, demons that, uh, he was so driven. He was like, I'm getting out of here no matter what. Um, but yeah, then my parents, I was the oldest of six kids. And uh, it was like, it was like a, it was, I mean, in the, it was in the 80s. So it was like an 80s sitcom too. That like it was just like total mayhem. And uh, all of us were Irish Catholics. So all the kids, I mean, my brother and my sister are twins. I think they're like 11 months younger than, or no, 18 months younger than me. Uh so it's like like we're all close at age, even though there's uh, eight of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm the this youngest. Strange. I'm the youngest of five, and also Irish Catholic, working class. And it was this, I had this similar thing where I had a teacher who didn't like me. My mom didn't like. She would physically get like aggressive with some of the kids, and my mom didn't believe me. And I would be. I did the same exact thing as you. I would listen to the radio. I listened to Doctor Demento and then some other shit just to. To, to take me out <laughs> and then i discovered alcohol later in life and that worked pretty well yeah yeah that's the same with me it, it worked for me for a while and then it didn't work anymore and it did badly but uh yeah like it was like uh that same thing of like it was that weird cusp because i had dyslexia and they didn't believe that like i was like i can't do this work and they were like no 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 you're they call it they, they called it at that time um ability to do the work chooses not to, or something like that uh, has the ability lacks the effort. And I was like, no, no, I can't do this schoolwork. I don't know why it's not that I don't want to. And uh, the teachers were always like, yeah. And they were like right in that weird zone where they could use physical violence. That was, but it was quickly falling out of favor. Like where it was like, they were, some of the teachers would just threaten you with physical violence and that some could actually like would have hit you or whatever. And uh, thank God it ended, uh, like we're the last kids to raised that way. Cause it's like, okay. I, I, it, uh, it'd be interesting to see anthropologists think about like, how does that affect our issues with authority figures? Cause I know for me, I've always had like 
issues with it. I, I just like never feel comfortable around any authority figures. Uh, cause I think it's like, Oh, you're going to, you're out to get me or you're going to do something to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why I ended, I think I ultimately went into stand up is because I was like, well, somebody has got to hear me now. Like it, that's, it totally was just cause my parents didn't listen to me. And I had like <laughs> stomach problems and my mom, I had heartburn and my mom was like, you're too young for heartburn. It's like, wait, great way to handle that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, you got heartburn because you're not tough enough. Like <laughs> you, you got to learn. Like if you were tough, you wouldn't feel that heartburn. Yeah. My dad, once I cut my hand and my dad made me do push-ups because he's like, that'll, that'll oh toughen God. you up. And I was like, I'm f- fucking six. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird time. Uh, I, I I think like I'm like man. I, I, sometimes I'm like, what was their childhood like? Uh, that are like it echoes. I don't know if you remember that movie Affliction. It was like a Nick Nolte movie. Oh yeah, it's it came Paul. out maybe like yeah, Paul. Schreiber. Yeah, yeah. That was like um, I think of that a lot of times just because the, the 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 whole movie was around like addiction, but the affliction, this intergenerational violence. And, and and angst and whatever and i always think about that like these the greatest generation it's like man you guys were pretty messed up and then you tried to mess our, our generation up too <laughs> yeah i feel like because uh be, being a dad later in life that sort of some of that garbage still hangs in my head i mean i don't impose it on my daughter but i catch catch it in my head where I'm like, I, I'm tired. I'm not going to play with you and like, go away. <laughs> but I thankfully am aware enough to do it, but it's like, that shit is hard to shake. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have that all the time with like illness. Like, cause my dad had, this probably sounds familiar. He was like, you know, it, unless you're at the hospital, you're going to school. Like I, I like, like, it's like, unless you're critically ill, you're going to school. And so we would try to fake being sick or we'd be really sick. You'd be like, no, no, you're going to school. Like, I, I don't care. Like, uh, and, uh, now when my daughter gets sick, I, I still have to battle that part of me. That's like, are you playing me or are you really sick? <laughs> and, and then, then I'm like, I, I don't know. Like maybe you should go to school for a little. And then and I'm like, what the heck's oh my God, I'm a monster. <laughs> like, uh, I, we just had that this morning. And, uh, cause, but that I find myself sometimes overly where I'm just like, no, no, she should stay home. Like, and you know, she plays up the cough. She's four. But and she went to school and she was fine. But I'm like, oh, maybe totally let her stay home, because I want her to feel heard, which I wasn't. And uh, but I also did fake sick a lot because I hated school. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember making like I think like that was the one thing I learned from ET was or some movie back then was like making fake puke. I finally got like a recipe for fake puke. So if any kids are listening and you and you <laughs> don't don't do this, but like. Orange juice, milk, and peanut butter. You mix it together. You pour it in the toilet. Because my mom would want to see it if we threw up. She'd be like, don't flush the toilet. If you flush the toilet, you you didn't throw up. Like, uh, like it's got to be in the toilet. And so then I started mixing those three things together. And I'd be like, yeah, see those chunks in there? It must be dinner last night. <laughs> oh. Was there a specific series of events in your life that led up to the idea of the podcast? Like, I recall... You saying something, or I don't know if it was in one of our emails that you had like a period of really bad sleep as an adult. Yeah, so let's see. Like once, very similar to what you were saying. Like once I found alcohol, it had many fringe benefits, but sleep was one of them. Like uh, where it was like okay, like 
it definitely helped when it, when it, even if it was a couple of drinks would be like, oh, okay, soften the pillow, man. Like, uh, so that was one thing that helped as an adult. It didn't help my ambition too much. So then I was like, I'll probably a lot of people that are listening to this. I was like, what am I going to do as a grown up? And like, I definitely struggled with like figuring out jobs and, and, and figuring out that stuff. And in the back of my mind, I had that whole thing of like, oh, I want to do something creative. Or I want to write or I want to do something, uh, you know, with all the stuff that runs through my head that's, you know, I don't know, that I thought was interesting. Uh, but I was always like not following through on it or putting it off like, oh, one day I'll do that. Or one day I'll get a job that makes like and I make a lot of money and then I'll be able to write on the side. And I remember I even started this business like that someone else got me into and they're like, Oh, this is going to make you rich. And it was miserable. It was like selling <laughs> furniture and uh, I was terrible at it. So I was like constantly losing money. And the only part about it I enjoyed was like the delivering of the furniture. Like that was my favorite part, like drive around. I, we talked about that on email. It's like drive around, listen to the radio, like just watching people and thinking about stuff. Um, but that whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, what am I doing, man? And th- and then when I was like, uh, Let's see. I'm, uh, I guess it was when I turned, I don't know. It was when my daughter was born. I remember, uh, like I was drinking a lot, like, uh, and, uh, I, I was like, but, but I was still like not willing to quit or anything. But uh, I remember this one night, like when she was like a little kid, like I was thinking, I, like put her to bed and I just happened to pass this mirror. We were like on vacation or something. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I looked like terrible. And I was thinking about, like, especially with a daughter, you're like, oh man, I really want to raise a strong daughter that believe, you know, you know, people say that, but you, when you're a father of a daughter, you really mean it. You're like, I want her to be strong. I want her to do what she wants to do. And I don't want people telling her she's not capable of it or, or injecting that kind of social thought or, or into her mind, you know? And, uh, I remember passing the mirror and thinking about when my daughter was like, turns 18 or whatever. And she moves in with her boyfriend and she's like, dad, don't talk to me anymore. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, but what, this is just a fantasy, but I'm like, oh, well, well, where would where, everything go wrong? I thought you were like, I told you you could do anything and you could be anything. She's like, well, yeah, but look at you. You never tried at all. Uh, and even though it's like a made up thing, like I was like shocked. I was like, holy cow, man. Like, what am I doing? Like, and I didn't change my behavior. Like, it wasn't like an instant thing. Like it, like it was, but it planted some seed of my mind of like, eventually over a few years, I realized the biggest thing I fear, I, I, I mean, I have thousands of fears that drive my daily behavior, but like, if I was to think about my biggest regret or my biggest fear, like if I'm like 80 years old, it would have been like just wasting my time, like continuing wasting my time or not trying or being like, eh, one day I'm going to try, but I'm just too scared right now, which was the truth for me. And, uh, so I don't know, that was a long time ago, but at some point that I started trying to write more and I got into like, started going to take classes at a community college and I met other writers and I was trying to write, we were trying to do like skit comedy and I was trying to write screenplays. Like, very, very typical story of like trying to figure it out. Um, and then, uh, that, that was a few years period, but I was writing this, um, we were trying to write something and and make it on YouTube. I was writing it with two other guys and we kind of had a pretty contentious relationship. Like we'd constantly be arguing over either the writing or just with each other. We were like kind of friends and enemies at the same time. 
and we were kind of fighting about, about whether we were going to make it ourselves or one of the guys was like, we just got to figure out like money to make it. We got to get money and what we'll get actors. And I'm a terrible actor. So it was like, he was like, we can't make it with you anyway. Cause you're just like a terrible actor. Like you can't like, which is true. Like anytime the camera comes on, I'm like, totally, I can't not be aware of the camera for, like subconsciously. But I was like, who cares? Like, no one's going to watch it. Like, let's just make it. And it ended up being a battle where it got to the point where I'm like, either we're making this or I, I'm, I can't keep working on this because it's like just going on forever and ever. And we were fighting. I remember it was like a transit strike and I was going to work and I was on a bus that had to go like so far. Like, usually I'd take the train, but this bus like must have made like 800 stops. So it was like a two hour bus ride and we were fighting via text. And then it, it was like a band breaking up the other guys. Like, you know what? Fuck you guys. This is over. And, and it was like, I was like, okay. And some part of my brain and I never have these like well thought out calm thoughts was like, remember that podcast? Cause I'd had the idea on and off and I just shot it down. It's like, you should start making that podcast to put people to sleep. And I was like, Oh, okay. That sounds like a decent idea. And then it was like two days later, I was like, how do you, like, I'm Googling, how do you record a podcast? Like, uh, and trying to figure that out. So that was pretty, that was like a podcast episode right there. I went on a, like a a tangent there. Took you for a bus ride. How did did you just start putting it out like independently? Because, I mean, I was fortunate when I started my podcast, Mm -hmm. I... I had met D- Dustin, who started Feral Audio before he was actually like it, he when he was starting to make it or create the network, which is inadvertently how we ended up meeting. But it uh, so I got fortunate that I had somebody putting it out, and I didn't have to learn how to edit and all that bullshit. But w- did you just start doing it and putting it out independently? Yeah, like I'm pretty like I can be pretty stubborn or or, or driven sometimes. So I was just like okay. Yeah. Like how do you record it? How do you edit it? Um, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time, but like having no audience and no following, like it doesn't sound like a good thing, but it actually is when you start stuff like this. Cause it's like, you also have no one with any expectations. So I just started recording it and some, it, I was lucky that another, that same part of my brain was like, you know what, just start releasing the episodes. Don't try to like perfect this idea. And usually, again, I, I don't, I'm too neurotic. I wouldn't think that. But I was like, oh, okay, I'll follow you. That. That's a good idea. So I just started recording them and editing them and putting them out. Almost like so I had a magical deadline. I mean, in that case, it was a magical deadline. It's like, okay, I got to put another episode out. And so that helped me learn the editing. And I mean, because it's only one person talking, it's a little bit easier to edit than a conversation like this. Um, and because it's like just one mic, it, it, it's like less that can have to get fixed. And yeah, I kept learning and just putting it out. And like, at some point, like four or five people were listening and I was like, holy cow, four or five people are listening, <laughs> man. <laughs> and then I remember like, like months later getting my first email. I mean, it's probably like, it's like, oh my God, somebody emailed me about the podcast. Like, uh, yeah, I just kept making it and, uh, then trying to like figure out, oh, what is this working or this isn't working or, um, and then changing stuff and trying out weird ideas. I mean, the good thing is I, I try out a lot of weird stuff. So it's like, it gives me a freedom to kind of be like, Oh, let's see how it goes. Uh, yeah, that's Cause I'm always as a, I guess I'm as a creator when I start listening to you, because I've used your podcast to fall asleep a thousand. I actually did two nights ago 
because the the demon started spinning in my head, and I was like, I always get out of bed because I don't want to wake up, keep my wife awake, and I go to the couch and I put it on, and it usually knocks me out pretty quick. Last night or the other night, I kept unplugging my headphones, <laughs> so it didn't work so well. But uh, that was my fault. But I'm uh, sometimes you say these, you'll get on a tangent within the podcast. And I want to stay awake and hear it because it's your <laughs> wordplay is so like some of the stuff is like that that I was awake for was pure genius. Like there's some brilliant moments. And are you writing this or is, uh, is it a mix of writing and improvising around concepts? Yeah, so it's like it's a mix normally. Like a lot of times the show starts off with this like super long intro and like the intro is like a good opportunity to kind of follow those tangents. Cause it's like, okay, the intro already has its own structure. Every time I got to do the crap at the beginning, like, Hey, this is a show. And then I got to remember that I'm trying to speak to a new listener. So it's like, Oh, here's the things you probably want to know if you're a new listener. And because I have like a set structure and then also like a set time, it's like, okay, this should take me around 11 to 18 minutes. Then when weird stuff pops in my head, uh, like I'm able to be like, wait, what did you say? Like, like, it's almost like I'm in the, like, it's weird. And I've slowly learned how to do it, but it's just like, Oh, wait, wait, what'd you say? Like, did you say like, there was just something that came up recently and I was just going off and I was like, blah, 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 something about stuffing. And then I was thinking about like, it's like, Oh, like that could be like an autobiography, the boy with stuffing in his pockets. And then I was like thinking about that. And then I was like, well, why would a boy have stuffing in his pockets? And then I was thinking about my dad and I was like thinking about my, my dad. He's like, how the hell did you get stuffing in your pockets? What the hell? Well, I stuffed, I stuffed my pockets with stuffing. Like how else would you get stuffing in your pockets, but to stuff them with stuffing? Like, so what is, what's wrong with you there? And, uh, so it's just like when weird stuff pops in my head, I'm able to be like, Oh wait, tell me more about what, okay. Like, uh, what do you want to do? And, uh, yeah. Uh, it can be fun and it can be strange too. Where uh, I think at one time, I don't know how long ago this was, but I was trying to go off on a tangent and I realized that I had this imaginary friend that I had abandoned as a child. Like, like I was like, Oh, I, like it, it also did his name. Came, I was like, I don't even remember your name. And then I was like, Oh wait, your name was bill. And then I was like, all of a sudden I'm in this middle of this podcast and I'm like, holy crap, like that must have been pretty traumatic for you. We're like best friends and I haven't even thought about you in like 30 years. Like, uh, how's that feel? And then I was just thinking, I mean, it's fun to be like, uh, be like, huh, how, how does my, I didn't. And then, you know, what happened was after, then after that episode, I stopped recording it, forgot about Bill again for like two years. And then another episode, a couple months later, I was like, wait a second. Sorry, Bill. I forgot about you for two years again. I thought I were going to start our fr- imaginary friendship up again, <laughs> but totally forgot about you. Uh, probably shouldn't be invisible. There's one tip for imaginary friends: like uh, that doesn't work out so hot. Do you have fans who pick up on these? Like, because that's like to bring it back two years later is pretty brilliant. But it's also like because I've noticed that before that there th- there are elements that are interwoven over the years. It's like such a complex. I don't. It's it's a stream of conscious surrealness that so many artists would fucking kill to have. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I truly think it's genius. And do your fans pick up on those moments, or do they all fall asleep and miss it? 
there's like, so I guess like I make it, I mean, cause like, it's like being a fan, like I, ever since I started the show, I th- always try to think about what it's like to be a fan of things and like that. I savor those moments like that. Like whether it's, I don't even know, I don't, I can't even think of an example, but you know, those little things that people sneak into stuff, uh, or it's like, you remembered affliction. It's like, Holy crap. Like, like, so yeah, if I tuck stuff in there, if one person lets me know about it, it like makes my year. Like, it's like, Holy cow. Like you picked up on that one joke, like that. I just like, was like, no one's going to hear that. Or no one's going to hear that stumble that I misspoke. Like, uh, like I said, turkey breasts. And then I said, Oh boy, like uh, I'm sweating or, or whatever, you know, it's like, uh, I'm like, I didn't think anyone would, that, that's like a third, like a third of a joke. And, uh, yeah. So I, it makes me feel really good if there's like one person that gets that stuff. And then it reminds me of like, yeah, Monty Python or, or weird Al or whatever, like that. It's like these little nuggets that you, that as a kid or as even as an adult, you're like that, that you feast on. And there's people who listen to it with solely with the intent of just listening. They don't use it to fall asleep, right? Yeah, so that was another hard lesson I had to learn, like, early on. So I started making the show, and I didn't know what I was doing, like we talked about. And I also had no experience on the mic or performing on a mic. So I was like, those first even 50 or 100 episodes, I was, like, overcompensating um, and like using self-deprecation kind of like in a, like in a, not, it wasn't a good look. Like, and so I was kind of like down on myself. My voice was like higher cause I was nervous and I was forcing jokes and stuff. And then at some point, like later in the, a few episodes, I was like, you know, like nobody's probably even listening here. I could say whatever I want. Like, uh, I could just talk about whatever I want. And, and, uh, and the way I, it wasn't like I've made that joke before, like, like, like a wink, like, or later I would make that joke on the show, like wink, wink. Cause I know some of you are listening and now I'm going to say something really funny. But then I was serious, like, like, but I was feeling bad for myself and two separate people emailed me and they were like, man, you really hurt my feelings. Like I thought you were here to keep me company and, you know, tell me the story and then, then you're like, you're, you're pointing out that I'm lying there all alone and I'm like the only one awake in the world. And it really hurt me. And I, I emailed both of them and I still know one of the people that emailed me and I was like, man, like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is really powerful. Like it was such a powerful piece of feedback that I was lucky to get. And now I always think about that, that there's like these chronic insomniacs or these people that are going through some really painful event, and they might be like, like a 0.01% of the listeners or something, but they're like the most important people like that are listening. So it's like, I'm going to make this show. And even though it's boring and tangential, <laughs> and it, it, it like goes off topic and, and you don't really need to listen to it. Like I'm going to do my best job to do that, to be pointless as I possibly can for them. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, like I heard about the podcast before I started listening to it. And my wife started listening to it way before because she's hipper than me. But, like, I had a really, like, I was unemployed. And I had, well, actually, I've been unemployed twice since I've been (laughs) listening to the show. But when you have a kid and you're unemployed and you don't know, like, how you're going to get through the month, it's terrifying. And there was nights where I had such fear 
in my body, it felt like an entity moving within me and I couldn't sleep. And literally, I started listening to your podcast and I was starting, I, w- it, I was able to sleep and then be able to function the next day. And I would imagine you've heard of, how, how many stories have you heard of people being grateful for that? Yeah, I mean, a lot and a lot of different, so many different stories too of like what they're going through. And I think the, like the sad, beautiful part about it, like even when you were saying it, like I could get, I was getting chills because it's like something that's so relatable to me and to all the other people. It's like that feeling when whatever it is, it could be external or it could be internal, but it's not, and I don't think that, and this isn't like an insult, but like, I don't think that people that haven't been through it can get it like that. It's like a physical pain. It's an existential pain. And it's like this intellectual and emotional pain, like all in one. And, and it, I mean, like there's times like you're right up against the edge. You're like, Holy crap. Like this is a, like worse than a nightmare. And you're trying to figure out like your, like others, you're like, like all the life stuff. Like it's like, you're getting beat up by all these parts of you that are like, man, what a mess you made. I mean, that's what, that's what it looks like for me. What a, wow. How did you screw this up so bad? And it's like, it's like, man, I don't, I don't really don't need this. Like, I I really don't need you to berate me right now. I feel bad enough, man. And it's like, Oh, well, if you, if you didn't fuck it all up, like I wouldn't have to be here to remind you. And and it's like, like when you're in that situation, it's like, I mean, it's like all the poetry and all the art, it's like those hours, they're like going by like drips of water, uh, like every minute is torture. And then for, so for me to be in a position to like distract people from that and know, like, it's like, I don't know what it's like to be, I mean, I, I hear from people that are soldiers that are overseas that are deployed and dealing with PTSD. And it's like, I don't know what that's like, but I, I can imagine it's awful. And, uh, um, and it, it might be like, it's like, Oh, these pains in me, uh, can help me like, at least be like, man, that, that must be pretty, pretty terrible. So if I can help in any way, uh, or like, yeah, going through go, trying to be a parent and, and, and figure it all out. Like, uh, when you're, you got those parts of your brain, uh, I can relate to that too. You're, uh, do you know how many countries you're, you're listened in, heard in, uh, I don't know. I get random. I love hearing from random people. Like there's a woman in Iceland that I hear from every once in a while, especially in the winter. Cause she's like, the winters here are so awful. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll hear from random countries like all the time. And it's always like, and then some people that are like, man, English is like some, a language I barely speak. And they're like almost listening just for the cadence and not even, they're like, I don't even really understand what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, People that know me don't understand what I'm talking about. So <laughs> it's not the language barrier. It's uh... That's really powerful, that, that, that the cadence, which is, how did you uh, come up with the voice and the cadence? Because that is very fascinating. It is, and it has to be very specific because anything else could totally take people out of sleep or take, you, you know what I mean? I, I didn't articulate that as well as I wanted to. <laughs> No, and I know exactly. Yeah, I know exactly. What I, mean. I think it's a balance of two or two things are at play. Like one is like, and as a parent, you know, this, it's like the idea that I'm in someone else's space and I'm trying to help them fall asleep. So it's just like keeping in mind, like, okay, this person has their guard down. They're trusting me and I want to be, 
like as calm and as cool as I can. And just like when your kid falls asleep and you're trying to back out of the room, like you're like, oh boy, like go, like uh, be as cautious and as calm as you can. That's one part of it. And the other part is like the flip side. Like I have the biggest negative ego or internal critic or whatever you want to call it. And it is on my case, like all the time. I mean, I've been doing this podcast for like six years and it's still like, I'll still sit down to record and be like, man, this episode's going to go terrible. And I'm like, we haven't even started it, man. Like, Oh man, like this is crap. Like, uh, or even in the middle of recording, be like, man, this sucks. And it's like the whole time I'm trying to like, be like, okay, can we just take a second here? Like we're trying to bore people to sleep. Like, uh, do you remember that? Cause we've been doing it for six years. Well, yeah. You're just way to mess that up. By the way, did you know we're doomed? I said, yeah, I realized we're doomed, but like, uh, like we're just trying to do this right now. So if we could talk about this later, uh, that'd be great. Like just give me like 45 minutes. And so like every day I'm trying to like manage that part of me. And I think like somehow trying to find a space, like, a safe place for myself helps to create a safe place for the listeners. Like where it's like, okay, let's calm these demons down a little bit and get this podcast recorded. Cause we're not doing brain surgery. It's like, man, I'm not like, I don't know what you think we're doing. Well, you're screwing it up anyway. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Do you, are there subjects that you avoid because you know, they might be triggers for people like, Oh, I can't say this cause they're trying to sleep and that might just send them down a wormhole. Oh, a, a wormhole or do you just let your free association go? So I guess I try, I guess like it's a hard, like it makes it a puzzle to try to figure out all, all the time. I think as a creative person, it's really hard to not to overdo it and like not make yourself like hyper aware. Like, so my critic would be like, you better know every trigger, man. Like, because if you don't, that's it with the podcast. So it's like trying to modulate that part. That's like, wants to be, sensitive for everybody, which would be a good thing, but it's not possible, but it is like trying to avoid the archetypal fears. But I think like, I try to do it in a way now, like at first I would just screw up and then someone would be like, Hey, by the way, like, this is how dense I was when I first started making the show. People would email me and be like, Hey, by the way, most people are scared of spiders. Oh, and I'd be like, okay, don't talk about spiders. Uh, by the way, most people are scared of flying. Oh, okay. Don't talk about airplanes. Like, uh, so there's like big ones that I've had to like learn the hard way, but I think like there's also, I mean, we're so driven by death and I think I'm so interested in death and that like, like stuff like that, that it's like, I like going right up against it. Like I do TV recaps and I did like breaking bad game of Thrones, um, and then I do like Doctor Who, Star Trek, but, it, but like even in Game of Thrones, I did have some people stop listening because and Breaking Bad. But I was like, hey, don't worry, I'm going to make this as as like as as lulling as possible, and it makes it fun for me, like to be like, how the hell am I going to make this into a a sleepy episode? Like for like those Game of Thrones episodes, like you know, 400 people would get killed, or that was their Breaking Bad episode with the ATM machine. And I'm like, how am I going to talk about this and keep it sleepy? But it actually makes it fun because it's like, oh, what would be a giant teddy bear uh, hugs everybody until they cry? <laughs> like, and then I think it makes it fun, like you're saying, for that tiny percentage of people that can handle it or that they're interested. They're like, oh, I know exactly what happened in that episode. Like, and I think putting out 
episodes in some sense, I'm like, okay, you could always skip that one. Um, but you know, it's okay to be wrong too. I think like there's been times I've like said stuff, um, and then a list, somebody's emailed me and been like, Hey, that was really painful for me to hear. Like there was one time I was talking about calorie content or something. And I guess like I was just operating from my own ignorance and somebody's like, that's really painful for some of us to hear. Like when you're like talking about obsessing about calorie count and I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like that's something I could easily avoid. Like, uh, so it's like next time I'll be like, just, I might edit it out or I might be like, huh? Uh, I mean, cause I also like, you know, I eat a lot of candy. So it's like, okay, how can I avoid <laughs> But those are the problems that make it fun. It's like, I don't know. That's what I like about it. It's like, oh, how am I going to do that? Or how am I going to talk about death? Uh, Like I have a series that just started and it's about um, the premise of the series is that it's the third season of this, but that Richard Warren Sears and James Cash Penny, they were like the two industrial or whatever retail industrialists. They died, went to purgatory, became best friends. And at some point they, started reading about Jif Bissos. That's a fictional person, of course. Uh, and they were like, they were like, we got to go down to earth and teach this guy a lesson. And like, uh, so they escaped purgatory and returned to earth in a quest for vengeance against this guy that ruined their retail businesses. And I'm like, that's not really sleepy stuff, but if I can find a way to make it that, uh, it makes it fun for me. Like, and it's so weird. It's like, uh, Oh, those are two people. Nobody ever thinks about Richard Horn Sears and James Cash Benny. <laughs> I mean, when I found out, I don't even know how I found it out. I Googled it and I was like, wait a second. The guy for, that founded Sears is named Richard Warren Sears. Like that's like, I was like, and then I'm like, JC Penny. What does that say? James Cash Penny. That might be one of the coolest names ever. And, uh, holy cow. Like that's a part, those are characters. Like those aren't people. Do you respond to every email you get? Uh, I respond to almost all of them. Now I'll like not respond to ones. I used to respond to all of them. The only ones I delete now are like people that are just like, uh, putting me on blast. Like I used to respond to those too, but then I'm like, man, like, uh, I I guess like I, I got to the point where I got one and it was from a fan on like Christmas Eve and it was really mean. And I was just like, man, why would this person send this? I mean, they must've been suffering, but it was like, really mean. And I was just like, I mean, it was total personal trashing of me. And I was like, why, 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 why is, why would someone send that to somebody? And so I used to like respond and sometimes engage the person or sometimes be like, you know what, don't do this or whatever. Now I just delete those. Cause it's like, every, I don't think I ever changed anyone's mind when I'm like, Hey, don't do that. Or sometimes I would be like, Oh, you know what? I can handle that kind of behavior. But the next person you say that to might not, or I used to say, Hey, if, what would you do if I walked up to you in the grocery store and said this to your face? Like, cause that's what I feel like doing right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any of those were productive responses. So now I just delete those, but yeah, everything else I try to respond to. Yeah. Duncan Trussell told me once that his, if he stepped out of his sort of podcast character and expressed anger or whatever, I'm not sure if you're aware of Duncan, but he would get like a flood of emails of like, Hey, that's not you. And he like, he people expected certain things of him and he, so he couldn't be himself anymore. Yeah. I don't I think I lost my point there. I took you on a bus ride now. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I get what you're saying. Like 
I think like, like when you do a show for a while, like the audience develops a relationship and ideally you're like putting your best foot forward, like, and they develop a relationship with that person. And then if something comes out that's dissonant, like with that relationship, like it's going to take, it's a big hurdle for them to get over, especially something that they might perceive as negative. Like I'm going to remember, I mean, uh, yeah, like, like, so for me to get angry on my show would definitely get, I mean, I could relate cause I would get like 10,000 emails probably of people being like, what are you doing? Your job's to put us to sleep. And I guess that's like always the thing of the entertainer, right? It's like, no, your job's to entertain us. Like, uh, and it's like, oh, okay, sorry. I forgot. Like, I forgot. Like, uh, um, but yeah, for me, it's like, oh, your job's to put us to sleep. And it's like, okay, I have to remember that. It's almost like at some point I had to be like, oh, the podcast and the deal I've made with the audience is more important than a lot of the stuff that I might like be mad about, like that I would want to express on the show. I mean, at this point in history, you'd just be mad. My podcast would, I'd be mad on every episode. So it's like, uh, like if I was expressing my personal opinions and stuff, so it's like, Oh no, that's not the relationship you entered into with this podcast. Like if you want to express your, what you're frustrated with, like I have to find another outlet for it or change the, or I, I think like, Sometimes the audience is game for it, but just not everybody. I mean, not with the sleep podcast, but I'm thinking about Duncan. It's like, um, cause people change, you know, I mean, artists change. And, uh, I think like evolution is an important part of making stuff and staying engaged with making stuff, but also the audience expectations an important part of it too. It's like a tough balance. Yeah. And you've done a number of live shows as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on one right now and I can't tell, like, it's like a per family story. That's very, uh, intense. And, uh, like we're saying, I'm like, man, is this one even gonna, I, I guess, cause it's a live show. I would never release this one on, on a podcast. It was like one time when my dad blew a stack and, uh, it, it, I'm like interested to see how it plays. I'm like, how am I going to like make this a story that's still sleepy, but yeah, so I do live versions of the podcast and like people show up, some people fall asleep in bean bags or yoga mats. Some people follow along. The hardest thing for me is like that people bring dates and then, uh, like the dates are like, what did, what'd you get me into? Like, <laughs> and they're just like kind of staring at me. Cause I mean, like you said, like not only is my podcast meant to put you to sleep, but it's weird. I mean, it's not like, salacious weird it's just like strange and so for someone to come into that blind they're like what in the hell like is this guy talking about like i have a, a made-up hobby that me and my dog listen to knocks like that were uh well don't if you listen to the podcast it's all true but um that that's one of our hobbies we sit around and we listen to recorded knocks and uh, we're part of a community online where people exchange recordings of people knocking on doors and that's like my that's my hobby when i'm not podcasting it's like me and my dog sit around we listen to people knocking on doors we say huh wonder what kind of door that is uh wonder what that paint is that's interesting like it it sounds like the wrapping it the, the way someone wraps a door in eastern europe like i love it uh i don't even know what my point was on that tangent but uh though that my show's weird so so if i'm talking about that and, and you don't, you're like, what in the heck's wrong with this guy? Like, is he serious or not? Uh, but it's fun. It, it's, 
it's uh, interesting, just like the podcast, to do a live show where half the people are asleep and the other half are kind of paying attention or really chilled out. Uh, how is the, how do you ch- do you change the podcast at all to to alter to the live? Because uh, it's like such a unique, intimate thing when you're just trying to go to bed, and then to have a room full of people who are there to probably yeah. have to be entertained and have some to not off. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, I don't release the ones I do live cause they're definitely like, they have to be more upbeat and then, um, they're, they're like slightly more engaging. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, then also like I learned the hard way, like I'd done a couple shows and I think at the second show, the first show I didn't realize this, but the second show after the show's over while the audience is still sitting, I'm like, Hey, you have any feedback or what did you think of the show? And this person raised his hand and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, yeah, the show just ended, man. And like half of us were asleep. That was kind of weird. It was kind of jarring. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, you're right. I just ended the show. People started clapping. So now I'll like have to, it's like this long fade out. And then I have to fade back in like where I, Sometimes I'll start singing or try to get the audience to sing or I'm always trying new techniques to be like slowly wake people up in the audience after the show's already over uh, so that they're not like, what the heck? You know, you probably could start a cult, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cult of knocks. It's like, yeah, what, what's your belief system based on not people knocking on doors? Like, that's what we do. We go and uh, listen to that. It soothes us. We knock on doors and we smile, you know, we hand out flowers and that's it. Uh, it did have, has there been, cause as I expressed my interest in, like I've, I greatly admire the concept so much. And I was like, I would love to have thought of this. Has there been knockoffs of it? It was like, I, well, this is when you get into like dealing with like a, a person that's not super stable as I am like, so there are like other sleep podcasts and there's actually like more and more come out, um, all the time. And I tend to have, like, when I hear about a new sleep podcast, I tend to like go, like get pretty irritated and like, be like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, but then I'm always like, I, I don't like it. I, I I'm usually wrong. Like it's usually like someone has a different take on it or they're doing it a different way. And I, and I was actually lucky. Like, the the first person that had like a, a, a one that, that had been doing for a while, he sent me an email and uh, he's like, Hey, I got this sleep podcast. And I was like, I'm a buddy. Believe me. I know. Like if I ever see you, I'm going to sleep podcast you right upside the head. And, uh, and he was just so nice. And uh, he's like, Oh, like, why don't we, why don't we, you know, you send me an email or maybe he was like, we get on the, you want to get, you might get on a call. And he was like the nicest guy in the world. Then I started listening to his podcast and he whispers to his audience. So it's like way different. And, uh, it's just a different specificity. And, uh, so I was like, so wrong about him. And he like ends up being the nicest guy. And he's like an expert is his is more like ASMR style. So I'm sure like the other sleep podcasts are like that. Like, it just takes me a while. I mean, I don't know when you're paranoid, you're like, man, like what if Oprah starts a sleep podcast and it's all over for me? Like, <laughs> like it's all over. Like there'll be all the listers. Like, so I usually operate from a not optimistic standpoint. And then I'm like, Oh, well, it's probably best for everybody. Cause the other side I always learn is like, 
my podcast is definitely doesn't work for everybody. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And there's a certain percentage of people when I hit my voice hits their brain, they go into rage mode. Like I get so many, I don't get like, I probably get one like every other day, but like of people that just like listen to podcasts and then they hate my guts instantly. And so like there's a certain percentage of population, they need some to sleep. I don't know. Maybe one of those other podcasts they will like because they don't like mine. Have you had issues with, um, cause I, I've, I've heard advertisements and stuff, but because people fall asleep, is there, is that a weird issue with advertising and uh, monetizing the podcast? I mean, it definitely makes it like, it's definitely been a hurdle because like at first people like advertisers were like, why would we advertise on the podcast? And I mean, like my conceptually, like you listen to the podcast, so it's like not a concept to you. It's like you've heard it. But like when you just hear about it as a concept, it's like, oh, is this like some guru like on a mountaintop? Like uh, he's like saying, oh, come sleep with me. I'm here to put you to sleep and I'll count to five. And then a bird will emerge from your chest. And that <laughs> bird will be your spirit carrying you off to sleep at five. So, so I imagine that like that's what some people sometimes think. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to advertise on something like that. Uh, but eventually I, I, it's gotten to the point where, um, that, that companies will like, it just took a while where it was like trying to figure out also like, yeah, how do I get the listener's attention? So I have a friend of mine, he'll write jingles and we'll stick them in there. Um, but, and then just trying to figure out like other ways to get words, word out about the sponsors or make the sponsors happy. Um, because it's like, oh, everybody's falling asleep, but if you're a company that's helping someone fall asleep, that's what I was always like, what do you mean you're not going to advertise on my show? We're helping these people fall asleep. Like they're going to be happy about it. So, you know, like the business side of things takes, it takes a lot, a little bit longer to get it sometimes. Yeah. Do you look back at like, cause you, like you said, you like when you first got five listeners and you were blown away and now you're like 854 episodes in, does that just <laughs> blow your mind? <laughs> Yeah, I have no, like, I cannot believe that. Like, uh, and what's weird is like, I mean, or this is part sad, so I guess I got to make it about me, but it's like, I, I don't understand why that doesn't translate to like other parts of my life. It's like, oh, I've just plugged away at this podcast and, you know, like kept doing it and being like, oh, let's just put out the next episode. But like, I can't even keep my apartment clean. Like I can't, I can't, I got a laundry that's been sitting there for like six weeks. I can't plug away at the laundry and be like, well, let's just fold four shirts today. Like, you know, if we fold four shirts today, I don't know. I wish there was a good thing that rhymed with shirts today. That's what they say. Like, so I, so, but I, I definitely am glad with the podcast. I've had some sort of like stability of like, Hey, let's just keep putting this out. And for me, those deadlines, like I said, like in the past, I've started so many projects that I haven't completed and wrote so many, you know, two acts of a three act screenplay or whatever, or written one and then tried to rewrite it and been like, forget it, just throw it away. That having the deadline has really helped me be like, okay, the next show's got to be out no matter what. And that critical part of me, I'm just like, sorry, man, like you could pick this apart, but it's got to get released. Like, so it doesn't, it can't be perfect. It's helped. Like, I don't consider myself a perfectionist because nothing's ever good enough for that part of me. But like a procrastination procrastinator, like kind of 
in pretending to be a perfectionist. Do you, after almost 900 episodes, is there something else you want to get to with it? Do you, is there another level, or are you content with just keeping this? Because I know... It, well, I'll just leave the question at that, because <laughs> is there another... I mean... I, I mean... I mean, the the doing of the show itself makes me curious. It's like, holy cow, like, what will the show be like at a thousand? Like, can I make it to a thousand? Can I be like car talk or something where it's like, could I, the show make it to 2000 episodes? What would that be like? That kind of excites me. I would like to see the show translated. I don't think like podcasting's quite there yet, but it's like, oh, what would it be like if someone else was doing it? in their language or what would it be like translating, trying to translate some of this gobbledygook that I spew out, like it's another language. It'd be like, Oh yeah, there's an international crisis because of a sleep podcast. Because once it was translated, it, it created a stir. It was like, Oh, okay. Well, so that didn't work out. So we, oh, if we could predict the future, maybe that, that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe doing it, um, like like a little bit more kid focused. A lot of kids listen to the podcast now. So I'm like trying to figure out like it's mainly geared towards adults. I mean, it's like probably like a PG 13 movie or something, but um, yeah, but it's like, keep it. I mean, I can't believe that I get to make a podcast and put people to sleep. Like I always think about it when I was a little kid uh, to go back to Catholic school. I remember, uh, when I first realized that people made movies, it was like when I saw Goonies and back to the future, they came out the same summer. Also a view to a kill, which is not a popular James Bond movie, but all those movies came out the same summer. And I, I I was like old enough or maybe I wasn't allowed, but like I went, there was like a movie theater that we could walk to. And me and my friend went like to all three of those movies, like 40, 50 times, like every single day. And at some point I was like, wait, people make these movies. And then I remember going back to school and the same sister, the nun I had trouble with, they, she was like, this is like right out of a movie. She's like, write a paper on what you want to be when you grow up. And I was like, I want to be like Steven Spielberg, an executive producer director. And I wrote a report and it was supposed to be a report based on research, but in the Catholic school library, there's no books about being an executive producer director, (laughs) which I don't even think is a real thing, but but, uh, but it, so I like, I just made it up just like, you know, any bright kid would. And, uh, I got an F on it, of course, cause she's like, this is no, there's no facts in here whatsoever. Uh, other, it's just like an ode to Steven Spielberg. And, uh, so, so I was down for a while, you know, she tried to, you know, piss on my dreams. Um, but now I think about it and if I could tell my kid self that be like, well, we don't make movies. We tell these really weird stories to help people fall asleep. The kid part of me would be like, you got to be kidding me. That sounds awesome. Uh, so, so, so I still feel like a little kid sometimes where it's like, oh, I get to do this. Like, uh, I get to try to figure out like how people escape from purgatory and, and what are the, like, what happens? What, what do you do after you escape from purgatory? That's great. Thank you very much, Drew, for taking out the time to do this. I, th- I feel like that's the perfect place to end. Uh, where can people find your podcast and your social media and website and, of course, Patreon? Well, thank you so much for having me on. Let's see. Uh, I, like, it's Sleep With Me podcast, so you can find it in, like, any podcast app right next. I, also, I love your new cover art. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you. Dude, dude, like, uh, I was like, holy cow, it's Pops. Um, 
So yeah, whatever podcast app you're listening to this podcast in, you can find it there. Sleepwithmepodcast.com is like the rest of my website or um, at Dearest Scooter on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Great. Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please remember to rate and review the show, thematdwyer.com, patreon.com slash mattdwyer. Help support the show, tell your friends about it, and support podcasting in general. It's a great form. And I would like to say in the words of one of my favorite guests, former Black Panther, Pete O'Neill, power to the people.